There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Well, Christmas is over, but the Ducks are still giving gifts to other teams, specifically the Vegas Golden Knights, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, the theme of these last four games that we've missed, uh, I guess I, sh- I should introduce ourselves uh, again because it is now the first podcast of 2020. Yep. Pat is back on the Forever Mighty podcast. No longer, not, not the, the Patreon shows. You're back on the regular show. Welcome back. Thanks, man. Good to be back. Uh, it's been a, what, almost six weeks or so since I took a little break, but... Uh... Things are, things are moving along, man. It's not for the ducks. I just, I don't, I don't get it, man. This, like you, you said, it was a Christmas. The ducks keep giving. Uh, what is wrong with Josh Manson? Can we talk about that today? <laughs> yeah, just, there's, there's a lot. It's not even what's going on with that. I guy. feel like everybody's gonna think we're talking about the own goal, which we definitely are. But it's not even just that. Um, since our last show was, I think our last show was just before Christmas. There's been four games. The Ducks have played Vegas twice. They won one of them 4-3. They lost 2-1 to, to Philly in overtime, and then they lost 4-2 to Arizona. Uh, not just Josh Manson, but pretty much everybody on the Ducks has been at fault for a giveaway or two, over, especially over the last three games. Uh, you look at even even in the Philly game, uh, the uh, giveaway by Carrick that led to Philly's only goal in regulation for Sean Couturier. Manson kind of soft in front of the net on that one. And, and then the big one 
uh, that this game, I think, is going to be central to what we're going to be talking about today. But the Ducks five two loss to Vegas because yeah. of everything that went on in that game. The uh, the giveaway at the beginning by Steele and Goodbranson that led to the first Vegas goal, the Josh Manson own goal, which is probably the the weirdest own goal I've ever seen. And, and then obviously Henry giving the puck away to Smith and, and the Marshall Show penalty shot. I, I think that's this is one of that game right there is probably one of the worst Ducks games I've seen in a long time, just in the fact that all four goals were a result of the Ducks either playing bad defensively or giving the puck away. It was bad. A lot of a lot of giveaways in the slot. Just a lot of, oh, I got the puck at the slot, like your Branson on the backhand. Uh, Henrique trying to get a quick outlet pass from the high slot. Um, Josh Manson in that game. Uh, boy, I, I, did he think he, he heard a whistle? I have. I, that's I, it, the only thing I can think of because the way he reacts, like he, he deliberately puck, pokes the puck over the line because I think he thought the refs were going to blow the whistle. And then you see his reaction after, like he kind of flips out a bit, like he's like, "Why didn't you guys blow the whistle?" But even even then, like don't don't just assume, don't. And, and even if even if the you think the play is going to be dead, don't uh, don't blow the whistle. Like don't. I mean, don't assume the refs are going to blow the whistle. It doesn't make any sense. I, I really don't understand how that's not uh, something that he just is not going to play till the whistle. That's what you're taught. Um, he's come back from injury and has not been good. He's just really not been good. Yeah, it, it's been a struggle for for Josh Manson. And I don't want to say just since he came back from injury, but uh, pretty much since the start of the season, it's been a struggle for Josh Manson. And, and at, at some point, we kind of gave him – some credit that the Ducks had so many injuries and he was their go-to guy on, on right side defense, especially, but it was him and Lindholm. And you know, when you're, you're getting pretty much every hard match matchup, it's going to be tough. But when you're making mistakes like this, like when you're putting the puck in your own net, when you're down one, nothing after a bad giveaway to begin with, like that's unacceptable. And, and I, and I think a lot of people have soured on Josh Manson over the last couple seasons, which you could say maybe yeah. it's fair, maybe it's not, but he he's been making some mistakes like this. I think this kind of takes the cake on on you know his mistakes over the last couple of years. But I have no idea what he was thinking on this play. It's one of those lapses in, in judgment kind of moments where you just you just forget what's going on. It's like in basketball where a guy puts the uh, the, the rebound into his own net, that kind of thing. So I I don't know though. It, it was such such a weird play, but it, it epitomizes the Ducks so far this year. Yeah, I don't really understand what's going on with Josh Manson. I feel that uh, the last two years, like you just said, have been kind of his slide and decline. He hasn't looked good. Um, the hampus Lindholm josh Manson pair we thought we were going to have forever as being this near-top-tier defensive pair just hasn't come to fruition and stayed. Uh, we got glimpses of it, and we always complained about it under Randy Carlisle that he, they were never going to play together. How come Randy doesn't play him together? And now we see them night in and night out, and it just doesn't. It's not working the way it used to. It really isn't. In yeah. fact, the guy that we've been giving a lot of crap to over the past couple of seasons who's looked great this year has been Camp Fowler. Camp Fowler has been the, the, the Ducks' best defenseman easily, and he's not perfect, but he's definitely been the Ducks' best defenseman over this, uh, the course of the first half of the season. Yeah, I, I think that there's no question he's been the best guy. I think offensively he's leading the way, definitely. I think he fits in what... Uh, the, the style of play that Dallas Eakins wants the Ducks to play. I, I think that's exactly the, the game that fits the way he wants to play as well. And I think he's really been the only one that's been consistently good. I think Lindholm's been decent. But again, he's he's the guy that kind of gets that line share responsibility on defense, right? Like that is 
not what Cam Fowler gets. I don't want to say Cam Fowler was sheltered, but I he doesn't get those matchups that Lindholm's getting, which frees Cam Fowler up to do what he does best, which is to uh, exit the puck cleanly out of his own end and get up ice and, and put the puck in the back of the net or set up a, a you know another player. Get, basically putting up points this is what Cam Fowler was supposed to do when the Ducks brought him in. You know, mm-hmm. a, a very impressive rookie season where he put up 40 points. Hasn't reached that since, and now obviously he's on pace to, to surpass that this year. This is the Cam Fowler that Ducks fans have been waiting for, and I guess Ducks management's been waiting for, is for him to succeed in the way he is this year. And, and it's taken them this long to realize that uh, you need a style that suits his game, otherwise he's going to struggle. And, and, and for a long time we were all talking about who he's playing with and who he's partnered with, and that's the problem, but turns out that wasn't the issue. I mean, there was good argument for that because he was paired with Bieksa and Boschman and Lovejoy, now obviously Goodbranson, but it seems like it, it, it doesn't matter who he plays with because Goodbranson wouldn't be a guy who'd say, oh, let's play Goodbranson with Fowler and that's going to unlock his potential. I, I think it has everything to do with the fact that Dallas Akins just has a system implemented that allows Cam Fowler to succeed. What do you think about um, the whole, the, the whole uh, experiment with Brendan Gooley? How that kind of worked, then hasn't worked, and then worked, and then hasn't worked, and now we haven't seen him. He's he's still young, so I I'm not writing him off just yet. Uh, but it is it is disappointing because obviously Brandon Montour is is playing top pairing minutes in, in Buffalo right now, and you know we we haven't seen the Ducks side of that deal come to fruition yet. Brandon Gooley looked really good at the end of last year. And it's been a bit of a struggle this year for him to get going. And obviously, he's been sent down to San Diego a few times. And I think he's down there right now, is he not? Mm-hmm. I think so. So it, it hasn't been great. But I think with this deal, you have to wait wait it out. It, it's a long-term type play for the Ducks. And Brandon Gooley, I think, eventually will be uh, an NHL player. What, at what caliber, I'm not sure. Whether he's a top four or he's a five or a six. And then you also have to see how uh, Braden Tracy turns out as well. And I always hate to kind of base a trade like that on the draft pick, but it is a player the Ducks got in that deal. Yes, it it is up to them to draft a good player, but I I think ultimately it comes down to if Gooley can just be a four or five and just reliable and and a steady player throughout his NHL career, as long as Braden Tracy makes the NHL and has some sort of impact with the Ducks, I think they still win this deal. No, I agree with you on that. Um, it's kind of hard for us to just encapsulate the last five or four games and judge what's been going on here. I think it's pretty safe to say that we have a very inconsistent team. Uh, the defense has gotten better. The offense hasn't really been there for Anaheim at all this year outside of Jacob Silverberg. And then, the, you know, gets off scoring at a higher rate than normal, but he's cooled off a bit. Uh, Ricard Raquel in the same light. Um the kids really haven't picked it up. We see little flashes here and there, but things just really aren't coming together the way the Ducks predicted, I feel like, this season. Uh, and you can see that with uh, with Bob Murray going out and trying to get uh, defensemen, right? He's going out and trying to get a you know a top-tier defender, wasn't able to do it, settles for Eric Cabranson. Cabranson's kind of been, I don't know, playing too many top-tier minutes, if you want my opinion on him. I don't think he's been horrible, but I don't think he's a top a, you know, top line pair. He, he's more of a, a four five. If you're going to give him, a, you know, his ceiling right now, um, what is kind of what's the deal right now? You think with Bob Murray um, bringing Weidman up, not playing him, bringing Sprong up and not playing him, not playing these guys that have played pretty well in the AHL to try to give this team some sort of spark when things haven't come together like they thought. 
I can kind of understand the call-ups because you're placing a guy on the IR, so you might as well fill that roster spot and bring a guy up. I think it was Getzloff. Troy Terry being hurt. Yeah, well, Troy Terry was hurt. Raquel was placed on the IR for a bit. I believe Getzloff mm. was placed on the IR for a bit as well. Um, who was, I think Raquel was the most recent one to get placed on the IR. Upper body injury. Yeah. yeah, so he's on the IR right now, so they brought up Chris Weidman. Sprong was already up. Um, I think with the fact that Sam Carrick, along with Sprong and Weidman, got sent back down, that these guys are healthy and coming back. Obviously not Troy Terry, but uh, Ricard Raquel, among others. I, I, I don't get it for Chris Weidman. Uh, that was a weird one. We've seen Sprong be called up, sent down numerous times this year. Same with Josh Mahura. Same with Sam Carrick. Uh, Max Jones, Maxim Comtois, all these guys at some point have been sent down and called up multiple times. But Chris Weidman made no sense. I mean, it was Ricard Raquel who went on the IR. It wasn't a, a, like they needed a defenseman to, to call up. It, it kind of felt like he was going to get at least a chance to play, if not this game, on uh, Sunday coming up. And then they get sent back down. And, and maybe it is just to play in last night's goals game, and, and he'll get called back up today or tomorrow and, and play for them. I hope so. Because I, I think he, out of anybody down in San Diego right now, he he's the guy not only that deserves the shot more than anybody, but that the, the Ducks need to give a shot to. I mean, he's a right shot defenseman. The Ducks are, are running Josh Manson, who's clearly struggling. Eric Goodbranson, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, is playing better than I thought he would, but he's still not a guy you want to rely on. And then after that, you've got Corbinian Holzer. You're playing, you know, Jakob Larson on the offside. I mean, the Holzer, uh, you know, as a forward a few games back yeah. was, was pretty rough on the on the eyes too. I just a lot of what the f moments going on this season with the lineup, um, with with personnel choices. Uh, what do you want to get into um, a little bit later or now? Start talking about roster movement. Um, with this team on, and how you see it shaping up. We've got the trade deadline here in a few weeks. Yeah, let's go into that. We'll, we'll go into it. Cause I think the big discussion on Twitter yesterday, uh, it kind of just came out of nowhere, but I guess it's been brewing for a while and we've talked about it a few times, but about the ducks being sellers at the deadline and potential roster movement and where guys could go. And if guys are going to get called up, but obviously some, some big names that uh, at least for the last couple seasons have been, always in the news when it comes to who the Ducks could sell at the deadline, and obviously most of them are still here. But uh, Adam Henrique, again, he was a big name at that last year's deadline. Andre Kasha more so in the offseason in the beginning of this year. Uh, and then Jakob Silverberg, who last year, because he hadn't re-signed, was a, p- a potential player that could get moved. And, and now this year, especially with him being an all-star, being on pace for his first 30-goal season, his values at, you could argue, the highest it's ever been. And I think he's right at the top of, of potential players that could get traded and bring in significant value for the Ducks. Mm-hmm. Who do you um, who on this roster right now do you think they should trade if you were to pick two guys? Well, I, I think you know a big thing that comes into play uh, is the expansion draft, right? Like right. we we all we all know how the last one went. You know, you look at what Shea Theodore is doing. With Vegas right now, it stings a bit to, to think that you could still have him and, and how valuable he could be if the Ducks just prepared a little bit better for for the uh, for the uh, Vegas expansion draft. And, and you would hope that when you look at who could be exposed and who you might lose in this one, that they start trying to make some moves. So we assume the Ducks are going to go with the seven forwards, three defensemen again, right? Like, a, right. I think I can't see them going eight players, can you? Like, I, I can't. No, they're I not going to do that. 
yeah. I'll answer the question for me first, then, just to just to throw it out there. By the time this team becomes cup competitive, uh, division competitive, uh, where they're going to go on a deep run and not sneak in on an eighth seed and on a wild card and lose in a sweep or lose in five, you really have to look at trading guys like Jacob Silverberg. Um, look at maybe trading a guy like Ricard Raquel. Very team-friendly deals. Still have term. Uh, Silverberg's almost 30, I think. Uh, 29. I know Raquel's 25 or 26. I think mm-hmm. those are both really good players that you should look at getting rid of. Obviously, um, getting rid of a guy like Josh Manson. I still think Manson has value around the league. He has that edge of toughness associated with his name that this league still very much loves. Um, he's he's definitely a team guy. He's having a bad year. Maybe a change of scenery kind of makes yeah, things that's what I was going to say. He's, he's that change of scenery type move. Right, and that's what you could throw out there. Even if he's not going to be the guy uh, elsewhere, he looks like he could be elsewhere. Um, I think Ducks fans really, and there was a lot of stuff here uh, on Twitter about how, you know, the Ducks, you know, a lot of people are, you know, just shitting all over Anaheim um, and the way they're playing the past couple of years. And it's like, the Ducks have been very competitive, very competitive for the last decade. Yeah, they haven't won a cup, but they're at the point right now where they're not going to win a cup in the next three years. Uh, You really have to look at trading guys you don't want to trade. So I think those three guys, for me, are something we can get a return for. Um, and, and a nice return for that would help this team out in the long run. Yeah, and, and honestly, you have to do it now. And obviously, G, GMs aren't idiots. They know which teams are handicapped right now when it comes to the expansion drafts. Even with it being so far out, it's going to make discussions a bit tougher trying to get what you want for a guy. But the closer you get to that draft, the harder it is it, to deal a player. We, we've seen that with multiple teams for the last expansion draft. And right now the ducks, you know, just a few of the guys that would be exposed and you can only protect seven of these forwards. You've got Henrique, Silverberg for Raquel, Kasha, Richie. And then of course the kids and Lindstrom, Steele, Jones and Terry are all guys who would be exposed or right there. That's eight guys or nine guys. So you're already leaving two of those guys exposed. If you don't move anybody and, you don't want to lose any of them for nothing. I mean, maybe maybe you're okay with losing Nick Ritchie for nothing, but you know, do you want to lose Henrique for nothing when you can get assets for him? Same goes for Silverberg, Raquel. I, I don't think you want to lose any of these kids in Lindstrom, Jones, Steele, or Terry for nothing when you don't exactly know what you're going to get out of them. So you've got to move a forward, I think. And and right now, the one that jumps off to me is is the guy you should move is the guy who, like I said earlier, whose value is the highest, and that's Jakob Silverberg. Uh, first time all-star, like I said, on pace for 30 goals for the first time, arguably. Didn't we say trade him last he... year too? And we didn't. Yeah. Well, we yeah. said trade him last year for different reasons because he was playing well, but he was a UFA mm-hmm. and it's like, do you want to sign this guy for four or five years? By the time his contract's over, he's 34. And I, you know, I think we didn't think the ducks would be competitive for another three or four seasons. What are you getting from Silverberg at 33 that you could, well, is that better than getting assets for him now when he's playing at his best? That's the argument I have because I don't think with what the Ducks have coming up in the system, who they have in the roster right now, that even if best case scenario Trevor Zegras comes up next year and is a 60 to 70 point player, that the Ducks are legitimately contenders in the playoffs or even competing for a playoff spot. When you look at how bad they were last year and, and how bad they are this year, one player I don't think is going to do it 
unless that player was like a, a generational Connor McDavid oh, type I mean, player. McDavid hasn't even done it for Edmonton. And he's got exactly. They're not even exactly doing it. right. Everyone so thought they it, were going to do it this season, and where's Edmonton right now? Not playing well. Yeah. So um, again, that's why can I hit, think... can we hit the chat real fast because Shane's calling yeah. someone out on the podcast here. I haven't been here for several weeks. Who said that Josh Manson was our next captain? Was that you? You were Jason. Oh man, I don't know. I think Jason. <laughs> Maybe it was me. Well, Maybe I'm... it was along the lines of. Uh, who the, who they would pick for captain, right? Because he's got that that tough edge to him. He's a defenseman. Maybe that maybe that's where it came up. That's funny. Because he's bad doesn't mean he's a uh, he's not a good leader. He's just playing like he's playing like shit right now. That's um, just and then and then goes. Brett says that uh, there's people talking about trading Gibson, which I thought was hilarious. I saw that. Yeah, doesn't make any sense at all. But he brings up a good point. He said Manson has only had one amazing year. So is he having a bad season or is um. Or is it as normal, right? Yeah, I mean, it could be as normal, right? Because we we mentioned this on the Patreon show yesterday um, that Josh Manson, the the best we've seen from Josh Manson was when the Ducks were playing good hockey. And he was playing with Hampus Lindholm, who we also said for Lindholm seems like there's some concerns that he isn't that guy in terms of the Doughty or, you know, I'm trying to think of the best. You know, the he's Yossi, not a Doughty. Doughty puts up those, 50, 60 yeah, like, points in a great no, but I mean, year. That's, that's not the, him. The guy that no matter if your team is good or bad, his play doesn't really change. That guy, where he's just always consistently good. Not to say Lindholm's been bad, but it's not the Lindholm from two years ago or three years ago where he was considered one of the best – you know the analytics darling, the one of the the most underrated defensemen in the league. I still think he's up there. I still think he's a great player. I just think he's kind of being exposed a bit because the Ducks are so bad, and it, it's hard to put him in that discussion that we were putting him before. As you know, if he just puts up twenty more points, maybe he's a Norris Trophy winner. That's tough to say right now because the Ducks are so bad. And I think Josh Manson is struggling because he's not being propped up by Hampus Lindholm and a good Ducks team. And I think we're finally seeing what Josh Manson really is, which is a decent four or five, but not a Ooh, three or four. I would say three, four. I don't know if I'm putting Manson on, on a bottom pair. I don't, I don't think that's fair. Um, I, right. I, I, I think, like I said, I think he's a four or five. I, I, I don't think he's a three, four. I, I think, uh, I think saying he could be a third best defenseman on, on your team, on a good team I, I don't think I would want him as my third best defenseman. That's that's all I'm saying, and why I don't think he's a three. I, I would want I would be comfortable having three guys who are, are a little bit better, a little bit more well rounded than Josh Manson is. I think he's a good player to have, and when paired with the right guy on a good team, he can be a valuable piece. We've seen it. We've seen mm-hmm. how valuable Josh Manson can be on a competitive Ducks team when he's placed with the right guy. That's why I think when you were saying earlier his trade value could be enticing to certain teams because they know that they've seen that they know what he brings to the game and he's a right shot defenseman. So his value is already high there. I think there would be teams who'd be interested. And and at that point, I think if you know, the ducks again can only protect three defensemen, you would assume Fowler and Lindholm, not untouchable, but are guys that they would like to keep. So then you have Gooley Manson and Mahura as potential guys who are exposed at the, at the <laughs> deadline. Yeah. Josh, I think Josh Manson is a guy, not only because of his age, but also right shot. He might get a bit more value and he one will. that the Ducks should be looking to move. I don't think you want to move Josh Maher right now, and I don't think they're ready to cash in and, and say Brendan Gooley's a bust. It's way too early for that. 
it leaves me with one obvious option, and that's Josh Manson. So the defenseman with the highest expected goals for on the Ducks over the last, from not counting this season, from 2016 to tw- the end of 2019 was uh, Hampus Lindholm. Still is. Um, yeah. He's, he's been the Ducks' best defenseman. He hasn't gotten the fair share of offensive zone starts. He has more defensive zone starts than offensive zone starts. Same with Manson. They get the hard matchups, like you said. Cam Fowler's a bit more even between offensive zone and defensive zone starts. So that matters. I know it's a bunch of analytic you know, mumbo-jumbo, I guess you could say, for lack of a better uh, word there. But it is what it is. You're going to get more opportunities to be effective offensively if you're starting with the puck you know, in the offensive zone. So this season, though, looking at it as to where we can try to move and gain assets from, I think we're spot on, man. Not too many times am I pretty happy about... Um, our picks with things. I'm like, oh great, I'm going to say something, and it's not going to be, yeah. not going to be correct. But those guys are the guys that Ducks really, really need to look to move. And Ducks fans need to get comfortable with the idea that this team is not going to be something that's resurrected by Trevor Zegras. It's just he's not. It's he's not going yeah. to come here and be Connor McDavid. Uh, you don't know that. We don't know any of that. So you can't rely on that kid. I mean, we all we were all talking about. We did that it. this um, year. The kids they, this year. All the yeah. kids this year. That Andre was the Kasha big thing. This year. Yeah, Kasha, if the kids and Andre Kasha lived up to the lofty expectations from fans, the Ducks would be a playoff team right now. But that just doesn't happen. And to, to think that that could happen next year and adding Trevor Zegras to that mix potentially is just going to – everything's just going to all be right now and the Ducks are going to go from a almost dead last goal-scoring team to a capable team when it comes to putting the puck in the back of the net. That, that's a stretch to say that. And, and I think when you have assets – at the highest value they could possibly get to, you have to actively try and ship those if you're in a rebuild. And I think the Ducks are in a rebuild. I think when we look at look at what they have coming up in the system for elite talent to move this to the next level. John Gibson, I think, is the only untouchable on this team. He's young enough that when the Ducks are competitive again, hopefully that he's still in his prime and is still one of the best goaltenders in the league. Yeah, he's having a down year, but I think he's the only guy you don't touch and you don't try to move or at least listen to offers for that's the only guy i think right now silverberg you should move him i think he can be a valuable piece for the ducks if they're competitive i just don't think by the time they're competitive again he'll be as effective as he is now and you'll be wishing you got the potential late first round pick and prospect for him that could move this rebuild in a better direction, you can accelerate it a little bit by by potentially hitting on that late first round pick or getting a prospect that can help you in a position in need, like a goal scoring winger or a right shot defenseman. You know, one team I mentioned and Pittsburgh fans jumped on me for this was Pittsburgh Penguins potentially being a good fit for Jakob Silverberg. I think especially now with Jake Gensel down for the rest of the year, they're not only looking for a guy who can score but a good two way player, and they have exactly the type of prospect the Ducks need right now in a right shot offensive defenseman to Kalen Addison who's playing for Canada at the World Juniors and then maybe throw in a late first round pick from Pittsburgh. I don't know if Silverberg is going to get you the first and Kalen Addison but that's that's the type of return I would look for for Jakob Silverberg. I think if you can get a first and a prospect you take that and run now and you go to the bank with that, and, and you, you have an extra draft pick and a prospect you to think, accelerate. You think Sylvie's going to get a first-round pick? I, I 100% I think he's going to get a first-round pick. I think the fact he's an all-star, he's on pace for 30 goals, and everybody already knows his two-way defensive capability, that is highly attractive to any team. 
trying to be a contender in the playoffs. I think he is more valuable than a player who's going to score 25 goals or 30 goals, and that's it. Silverberg has that value as a, as a known two-way player, a, a guy who's defensively responsible. You're not going to have any issues. Like the, the, Somebody tweeted, I don't remember who, who it was, but there's nothing wrong with Silverberg's game. He no. doesn't do anything amazing, but he does everything good. That is the perfect player to get at the deadline. You have no issues. You know no matter what, you're, you're going to be fine. I mean, maybe he doesn't score up to the level you want him to, but he's not going to be a detriment to your team. Like, if he he's was still a center, going to be effective. If he was a center and this effective, you'd be talking about him um, in almost the same light as the elite centers in this, in this league for defensive play. Yeah, if, yeah, center center. responsibility. Yeah, if he was two-way center, center who scores thirty goals, there's not too many of those guys. Yeah, you're talking about Mark Stone, who's the, yeah. know, the cream of the crop of that. And I don't think I'm not comparing the two, uh, but Silverberg's no. damn good, and uh, he, you know he's probably that second tier of player when it comes to two-way guys in this league. What about trading a guy like Andre Kasha? What do you think about that? Eric Stevens had mentioned it in the article in the Athletic when they were talking about players the Ducks and Kings should trade. He makes a good point. Uh, the rumor was that Bob Murray already tried to get Justin Falk with with uh, Andre Kasha. Do you think that that's a move the Ducks would revisit? Not for Falk, obviously, but uh, in moving Kasha. Kasha hasn't had this amazing year that people predicted when he was going to explode, including us. Yeah, I, I'm now. I wanted that move to happen at the time. I'm kind of glad it didn't now, because looking at how bad the Ducks are this year, I don't think Justin Falk would have magically turned that around. I think it would have made things better, but I don't think all of a sudden the Ducks were going to be a much better team. Uh, he's better than Eric Branson, though. <laughs> he is, for sure. <laughs> but so thinking of what you could potentially get otherwise for Andre Cash if teams were interested, whether it be picks or prospects, I think that's more valuable to the Ducks right now. I think the first thing they should be looking for is draft picks, for especially for this year, and the second thing is prospects. I don't think they should be looking at roster players at all unless they are younger roster players that are controlled for more than one year, which is typical from, from Bob Murray, what he's going to look for. But I think Andre Kasha falls into that mix. I think him and, and Ricard Raquel are guys that you listen to offers for and you make the move if it makes sense because they're on such – team-friendly deals, especially Ricard Raquel. I mean, he's making less than $4 million. That That's Best deal as in enticing. It, it, it's very close for me as the most enticing player on this team between Silverberg and Raquel, but I think because of Raquel's contract, he has to be the most valuable trade piece the Ducks have at this point, obviously beyond John Gibson. So I think Andre Cash and Raquel are, are guys that, yeah, you, you, you don't rule it out, but I don't think you actively shop them. Especially Andre Kasher right now because the injuries have been an issue this year. No concussions, but injuries. And the injuries are are a thing that is well known. Concussions, he's had a few. I think he's had three or four now. That's going to create issues for a lot of teams that are like, hey, if we give up a lot for this guy and he gets one more concussion, he's done. So that, I think that's going to be concerning for some teams. But... On the topic of Ricard Raquel, I think that's one you definitely at least listen to offers for. I mean, I, I think Ricard Raquel is one you want to keep. I think he's a valuable player, and I think by the time the Ducks are competitive again, Ricard Raquel is only going to be 30, 29, 30, 31. So at that point, I still think he can be an effective player. But if somebody comes to you and just wows you with an offer, and it's picks and prospects, and, and it can kind of start you in, in the right direction of a full rebuild, I think you at least have to explore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to for all all those guys. Um, I don't think the the young kids though should be anywhere for conversation. I'm I'm not trading. 
if I'm Bob Murray, I'm not trading Max and Comtois. I'm not trading Max Jones. I'm not trading Troy Terry. I'm not trading Sam Steele. Those are those are guys that, and they're not going to, right? Um, but they they definitely need to explore the guys that are in that that tier that uh, is not going to be here when the team's great in their prime. That's yeah. what the Ducks should be focusing on. You're right, and they need to be going after picks, and they need to be going after prospects. Um, where do you think a best the best deal would land right now? Who, what teams would you be talking to? I'd be talking to all those teams that are right on the cusp, right, or teams that have injuries. So I mentioned the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are fourth place in the Eastern Conference right now. And and I I always kind of throw them in there because the Ducks and Penguins make a lot of deals. So even if they were first, I'd still throw them in there. But now with that Jake Gensel injury, I could almost – I'd almost be comfortable betting money that the Penguins are going to add some forward at the deadline. They're good enough this year. They're 24 – 11 and 5 without Sidney Crosby for most of that time. And they've got Brian Rust, who's just playing out of his mind with Evgeny Malkin. And uh, did Gensel just are, get hurt too? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that's why I would bet money that they'll add a forward is because Gensel's out for four to six months. Like he is out. If he comes back, it's playoffs. Like yep. He's out for the rest of the season. So they'll add somebody. I'd have to think they would add somebody. They always do. And the Penguins aren't shy about trading away their prospects. Like They rarely bring prospects up through the system because they trade them away or trade their first-round picks away to get players to be competitive. I mean, it's worked out for them. It doesn't work out for every team, but it seems to be the strategy for the Penguins no matter who they have in management there. So I think that is, is a target, especially for a player like maybe Ricard Raquel for cap strengths or Jakob Silverberg just because I think he's he's kind of the perfect fit. For a team uh, like the Penguins, I think he fits perfectly either with Malkin or with with Sidney Crosby. I think he'd be a, a highly effective player with either yeah. of those guys being able to dish him the puck. Yeah. But then I think you look at teams like Carolina, who the Ducks were exploring Andre Kasha with before. Maybe you go back there with Kasha. Maybe they wow you with an offer for Raquel, or maybe you know they they look at somebody else. I think they're definitely an option. Then the teams around them, I think Philadelphia, because they're kind of right in the mix, they might go. I think Florida's all in this year. So I think they're a team that could be looking for some supplemental scoring. Maybe Columbus, if they decide they want to make a push this year. Uh, and then out west, I think it gets a little bit murky because I don't think you want to move some of these quality players out to the Pacific Division. So maybe you look at Winnipeg or Dallas. But I, I would have to bet if, if you're moving a big piece like Silverberg or Raquel or Kasha, I think Bob Murray's looking out east. And, and I think there's some, some really good suitors out there that the Ducks could get some either a late first-round pick or some decent prospects back. I wish they would have went out and got uh, Ilya Kovalchuk before the Habs did. <laughs> yeah, nice one. I, I, I mean, that's like the Danny Heatley of, uh, of moves hey, this year. I, I'll, I'll say that's not a bad move for the Habs. It's 700K, 700K for three goals. Way. Nice, nice. Let's see what happens. Two-way deal, 700K, literally doesn't hurt you, and you have the potential for this guy to come in and do something, and maybe he fits. If he doesn't fit, he is a two-way deal. You can send him down to the AHL. And then he terminates his contract and does probably goes back to Russia. There, there's literally no downside to the Habs doing that. Now, obviously, I don't think the Ducks should have got got him in Kovalchuk. They're not in the position to, and I'm sure that's not the type of team that he would have get would have wanted to go to. I'd have to think that there wasn't a ton of suitors for Ilya Kovalchuk that he decided on a team that's not even in the playoff picture right now in the Montreal Canadiens. There, there couldn't have been too many teams that wanted to to bring that in and bring a player like that in the way things went with him and the LA Kings. I think Montreal is just above 500 right now. They're like seven or eight points out of a playoff spot. 
and, and the rumor was Kovalchuk was looking for a, a competitive playoff team, so mm-hmm. he didn't quite get that. But I, I don't think it's a bad move. I don't think it's a bad move for the Habs. What about a defenseman to Winnipeg? And somehow we get Nikolai Ehlers out of it. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, we've talked about <laughs> Nikolai Ehlers so much. I know, and, I know, uh, man. He's a 23-year-old left wing that's uh, he's on pace for 30 goals this season. I mean, so. w- would you do this? Uh, would you do Josh Manson and Andre Kasha for Nikolai Ehlers? Oh, my God. Um, yes, I would. I don't think Winnipeg I think would. I would. Winnipeg I think would. I would. No, probably not. And, and, <laughs> Winnipeg's not going to eat that much salary. Um, well, Nikolai Ehlers makes about the same. Makes six million. It's about True. the same. Yeah. True. I think Josh Manson makes what four or five. Yeah, it makes four point something. And and then cash is about two. And then uh, uh, Nikolai Ehlers makes over six. So the, the salary cap works there. And I think it's a deal that makes sense for both teams. I think you know if you're Winnipeg, you get back an effective top nine player that can't replace what Ehlers brings, but can at least be you know he, he's competent offensively and you're again you're hoping i get for the same thing we talked about with manson the change of scenery thing and that uh maybe things turn around at that point and then obviously it's been well broadcasted this year the uh the jets defensive issues with bufflin sitting out for the year and then trading truber and trading myers that's three right shot defensemen that you lost at uh, that you had last year so i i think there's a fit there uh whether winnipeg does it or not that's the question i i think they've been just like I said with Ricard Raquel, I think they've been listening to offers for Nikolai Ehlers for the last couple seasons, but nothing is is kind of wowed them yet. Whether that wows them or not, I, it, it's completely so, up to Evan Shevel Day off. Let me let me let me ask our chat because we have some people chiming in here. Dave and Brett, what would make that deal realistic for Winnipeg? What would you guys throw it in chat? If you if you're listening right now and you have your chat up, what would you what would you trade realistically for Nikolai Ehlers that makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets? They don't have any defensemen. If you guys don't already know, um, like Eddie just said, I, I I don't know if they would bite on Josh Manson. I think they would probably want a young defenseman and Josh Manson and another piece. I think they'd be very greedy about it. I, I don't think they're uh, gonna turn. Maybe. They're gonna turn and get an injury, an injury prone winger, even though he's the same age as Ehlers and, and Andre Kasha. Josh Manson is having a bad couple of seasons. Would be tough, also. Uh, they want they might want like a, like a kid like Josh Maher to be tossed in there as well. You could say that, but then I will list off the Winnipeg Jets defense right now, and you tell me if the Ducks don't have some sort of leverage here because there's no way the Jets are going to roll into the playoffs with this group of six. So the top two I'm fine with. Josh Morrissey I think is a very great player. Neil Pionk's been a, a good pickup for the Winnipeg Jets when they brought him over from the New York Rangers. Those are those are two good guys. Those are two top four guys. After that, it's a complete nightmare. You've got Lucas Spiza, Ooh. Tucker Tucker Pullman. All time right I think he's a right shot defenseman. I I'm not sure. Carl Carl Dahlstrom, who's jumped between Arizona, Chicago, the AHL, and Anthony Botetto who I think last was in Nashville, and he was a guy that was between the AHL and the NHL there. And then obviously on the injury list, uh, Bufflin, because he is presumably not playing this year. And they've got Dmitry Kulikov and Nathan Beaulieu. Again, so nothing great there. If you throw Josh Manson into this mix, he's their third best defenseman. There is some leverage there, I think, for the Ducks, where they say if Winnipeg is actively shopping for a defenseman, Josh Manson, a right-shot defenseman, fits what they're looking for, might be one of the best available at the deadline. 
when it comes to right shot defensemen or just quality players on the blue line. That is a, a place I think the Ducks and, and Jets could find some common ground and then obviously throwing in maybe Andre Cash gets that to work. There might be something you have to throw in to sweeten the pot a bit, but I don't think it would be much. Like I, I don't think that's far off. I mean, you're, you're, you think Josh Manson's a 3-4, right? A top four defenseman and a top top nine winger with potential to be better just has some injury concerns for a, a second line winger in, in Nikolai Ehlers because a 60 point player is a, is a second line winger. I don't think Nikolai Ehlers is a, an out and out first line player. He plays second line uh, for the Jets. I don't I don't think it's that far off from being a deal that makes sense for both teams. Do you know what would make Winnipeg bite on this really fast would be Ricard Raquel, Josh Manson for Nikolai Ehlers. Well, I wouldn't do that because I, I, I think but I think Ricard Raquel is I, yeah, if you're the Ducks, you don't do that because you're Ricard Raquel is two years older than Nikolai Ehlers. He's three years older. You're getting a younger, faster player in Nikolai Ehlers with the same finishing ability, passing would you do ability. That? I would, I would do that. I really would make right. this team younger. Okay. This kid's put up 32 points in 41 games, um, and you know, in chat they're saying they don't think Manson's good enough to to be there for that. But like you just said, there's something to be said about a team that's um, that's been bleeding chances on Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck's been carrying this team defensively, really, really has. He's wearing the John Gibson cape. To be honest with you, um, they they haven't looked good on the blue line. And that's clear. I think they could definitely use. A Josh Manson on that blue line, but I think they're going to want a, a guy that Sweet they're the going to have to Sweet the pot with Ryan Miller? Wow. Josh Manson, Andre Kasher, Ryan Miller? That's another little chip there, too. Dang, dude. Laurent Brassois is not... has not been good for them uh, in that this year. Obviously, Keller, Connor Hellebuck has been elite, but you throw they in... They would definitely be interested in Ryan Miller. I think It's not even like Ryan Miller is a big piece, but, uh, but again, you're, you're, you're leveraging the weaknesses from other teams and saying, hey, like, Look at your defense. Look at your backup goaltending. Andre Kasha can slide right into your top six. He doesn't supplement the loss from from Nikolai Ehlers, but you're getting a top four defenseman. You're getting a, a suitable backup goaltender to go into the playoffs and and be a more well-rounded team than just having two lines uh, in Nikolai. And I think they can supplement that loss. I, I think you know you look at their top line. It's Shifley, Connor, and Line A. That's not going anywhere. That's their number one line. No. And then you've got Blake Wheeler right now with Ehlers and, and Rosovich. If you just have Blake Wheeler with Rosovich and Andre Kasha, then you on the fourth line they've got Lowry, Perot, uh, and Bork. Like that's not that's not awful. It, it, and, and I think they're a better team if they make that deal, whether they want to or not. I'm, I'm not sure. And they get Brian Little back at some point, so that supplements the loss of Nikolai Ehlers a bit too. I, there's there's possibility there. I think we've talked about Nikolai Ehlers for a long time. I, I think there's a possibility for a deal there, but whether both teams work it out, that remains to be seen. None, none of the blockbuster deals we ever discuss ever come to fruition anyway. So, no, but I, I do feel that uh, I I don't know, man. I really feel like if you if you throw Ricard Raquel on there, that that seals the deal. I can't. I I just I don't see that happening. I, I three years isn't enough for me to to. I think Josh Manson and Ricard Raquel for Nikolai Ehlers, the Ducks are losing big time on that. I, I think I would just rather keep Ricard Raquel. I think the production between Raquel and Ehlers in a good team is, is the same. I think they're both 50 to 60 point players. I think if you plug Ricard Raquel into where Nikolai Ehlers is playing with Blake Wheeler, 
similar production this year. And I think if you start with Nikola Ehlers for the beginning of the year, playing with Silverberg between Adam Henrique, I think Nikola Ehlers has about the same amount of points that Ricardo Kell has right now. I think they are very similar in that sense that you are not getting a big upgrade or big downgrade. I think they're, they would, you're that getting, would almost you're be getting a hockey term. deal. You're getting three years. That would be a hockey deal. That would be a years. hockey deal if you wanted – if you're Winnipeg, you want to save cap. I can see one for one of Ricard Raquel for Nikolai Ehlers. I can't – I don't see why you would ever add Josh Manson in that if you're the Ducks unless you're just trying to dump Josh Manson. But I think there would be teams legitimately interested True. in you picking up point. Josh Manson. You make a good point. I, I think the right move – you're right. I think the right move is definitely Andre Kasha then. It makes a good point. Kasha, Manson right. – you got to move sum, on from this. To sum this, this up, <laughs> if you're the Ducks, you could pick a list of three guys in order of obviously the, the guy you think you, they should trade the most. Who are your three guys? Number one is the guy that should trade the most. Number two right after number three in that order. Um, One, two, three. I would trade Jacob Silverberg first due to his age. He's peaking right now this season. He's the all-star like you had mentioned. He's on pace for 30, which Brent likes to rub in your face, so it's great. Um, I would trade him first. I would look for somebody for Josh Manson second. Um, and I would definitely explore options, um, for Andre Kasha. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I I think right now, if I'm the ducks, what I'm doing is, is again, Silverberg's my number one. I think you have to trade him at this deadline. You have to, his value likely is never going to get higher. Silverberg's probably not going to be a perennial all-star even if he stays with the Ducks. We've talked about his 30-goal potential for the last five or six years, and he's never got there. He's on pace for it this year, but he's on pace for just 30. So you can use that as well. And then obviously the fact that he is under contract can be either enticing or detriment in in a deal, depending on which team you're dealing with, right? He's locked for, for, I think, four or five more years. Some teams will like that. Some teams won't. So I, I just think you have to. You have to go in and trade Jakob Silverberg now. I think Josh Manson is my second guy because I think you've got to move one of those three now before you get closer to the expansion draft because otherwise you're losing Mahara or Gouli for nothing at that expansion draft or you're trading Josh Manson for peanuts mm-hmm. uh, in comparison to what you could get from him. I don't think it's when you actively shop because I don't want to trade him for nothing now and his value is probably lower than it could be in a, in a better year for him. But I, I think he would be second on my list of a guy you're looking for. And then after that, uh, I go back to Ford, uh, and it would be one of uh, Henrik, Raquel, or Kasha, just to round out and have those seven Fords. Henrik's tough to trade, man. He's at that age gap. He is. Where, and he's also on a long-term deal. Lots of money tied up in Adam Henrik. Yeah, he's, he's the toughest one, I think, to move. He, he'd be the one I would opt to move. Over Raquel and Kasha, just because I think when the sure. Ducks are good again, that Kasha and Raquel could be valuable pieces of this team. But he he is tough. I, I think the, the upside is he's a second line center. If a team needs either a second line or a very good third line center, I think he's enticing in that way. But the contract and the length of it is is going to turn some teams off. Uh, but obviously, like I said, the biggest trade piece the Ducks have and the most enticing one is Ricard Raquel at that contract. And uh, if you get blown away buy a ridiculous offer for him at the deadline uh, you should probably take it as much as i love ricard raquel as much as i think he can be a, a consistent 25 to 30 goal score well, 50 to 60 point guy it, it, you, it. you gotta take it if it's worth it Ehlers in a second for racks and josh manson how do you feel about that no no still not biting on that brent still not biting on well that. i think i i 
would you trade Josh Manson for a second round pick? Maybe I consider it. Th- then if, if you trade Josh Manson for a second round pick, then fine. Cause I, I said racks for Ailers, I think is a, is a good hockey trade. I think you could, I could see that happening. So then it comes down to what's Josh Manson's worth. Then if he's worth more than a second round pick, then no, if you think he's is worth he getting a, a first round, round pick out of Josh Manson, probably not, but it's a late first. Maybe if it's a late first, then potentially. So I, I, I could see it. Uh, I like what Shane I, said. I, Shane I said uh, Ehlers for Ryan Miller, Josh Manson, has split custody of Tame Mussolini's fandom. That's uh, that's good. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, the, the, obviously that split custody for Timo's fandom is worth a lot. So, oh no, it definitely is, man. Uh, interesting. Can we shift gears here? I want to talk about the article about the best ducks. Have you uh, have you seen that Jordan Samuels uh, Thomas article? Oh, the analytics article. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really, really good. I mean, he. Basically, he said that the best players on the Ducks this season analytically um, and probably to the eye test. I mean, I know that not everyone loves analytics, but to, to the eye test, Jason would not love this article because it's analytics-based. But Ryan yeah. Getzloff, Ricard Raquel, Jacob Silverberg, Adam Henrique, and Cam Fowler rated as the Ducks' best players 41, 42 games in, right? Are we at 41 or 42 now? I forget. 41. So the exact halfway point. point. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, no I, question I that. that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think Silverberg's the best player. I think Ricard Raquel and Getzlaff are a close tie for second. And then I, I would I would say uh, Adam Henrique's the fourth best forward the Ducks have this year. Uh, and then Cam Fowler has been the best defenseman. And um, probably, their, probably their second best player this year. Behind Jakob Silverberg, I think Cam Fowler, just the way he's been playing and the way he's upped his game. So I have no I have no arguments with that. I think everybody, even with the eye test, would see that those have been the Ducks' four best players there. You could maybe argue swapping out Adam Henrique for somebody else because the consistency hasn't necessarily been there. But I don't even know who you would put in at that point, right? Like uh-huh. it's not like anybody else has really been playing at a high level. I'm sure there would some people saying Derek Grant or something something along those lines. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think Adam Henrique deserves that. Uh, that four spot, but it's it's definitely been Getzlaff, Raquel, Silverberg, and Fowler are, are easily the Ducks' top four players this year. They've all seen improvement, and, and I think Getzlaff maybe not seen improvement, but just looked more comfortable and at home this year than he did last year. Just a quick note: Eric Stevens just tweeted out that Daniel Sprong and Kiefer Sherwood are up from the AHL San Diego practicing with the Ducks now ahead of Sunday's home game against Nashville. Andre Kasha and Ricard Raquel not on the ice. Ricard Raquel still out with upper body injury. Um, no word as to why Andre Kasha is not on the ice. So interesting. Is he being traded cue, for Sunday? Yeah, cue, cue the trade rumors. <laughs> I think the only guy working the phones right now is Mark Bergeron because right when that roster freeze ended, he made like three trades and a free agent signing. So he was obviously working something. He Who did he ship out? He brought in Mark Scandella, shipped out Mike Riley, signed Ilya Kovalchuk, and then oh, then the Sabres brought in, in Michael Froelich yesterday. Uh, uh that's a that's kind of a nothing I hope, trade, I hope it's not an entry for Andre Kasha. No, I, I, I hope it's a trade. I really do hope it's a trade. It'd be interesting. Could just be a simple rest day for him. You never know, right? Yeah. Like, or, or he could be getting healthy scratched. I mean, anything's a uh, Elliot Tiefert said he's, he's trying to reach out to figure out why. So maybe we'll get an update from Elliot there. Uh, it's social media we're in that time of day where uh, that time of uh that era where the guy misses practice at this time of year in January or February. He's and he's being traded. He's As being Mike Commodore would say, pack your shit. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, I, I, it can happen. Mark Scandella missed training for the the Habs yesterday and was traded. So 
it, it could be possible. I just uh, I'd be interested to see where and what for at this point because Kasha has not had a good year. I don't think you sell low on Andre Kasha. You can't. No. He still has another year left on that Bet on contract. His potential. Bet on the potential. Yeah. And even if he plays bad next year too, just re-sign him and hope eventually he gets to that point. Like if you're getting a, a third round pick for Andre Kasha, just keep him. Mm-hmm. Just keep him at this point. Just keep him and, and hope he, he figures things out. If he doesn't, then. You only wasted a seventh round pick to draft him to begin with, so it's not like it's Nick Ritchie where you wasted a tenth overall pick. Like the the expectations for Andre Kasha, when you look at the from the outside looking in, are low. Mm-hmm. Seventh round pick, uh, you know, generally those guys don't even get anywhere close to the NHL, and and the fact that Andre Kasha is producing at any level right now is impressive. For I, I just think because we have these expectations because of his underlying numbers and the way he plays and how good he's been for the last two years before this year. There's those those heavy expectations for Andre Kasha to to produce, but we all have to sit back and remember this guy was a seventh round pick. Yeah, like the fact he's even here is impressive at all. The fact he even can scrape into the top six is impressive. Now let's take the time real quick uh, right now. If, if you're listening to the show or you're and, and you're actually watching it on Twitch, you're watching us live. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you're new and you're watching us on Twitch, welcome as well. Uh, we do this for every single one of our shows as much, almost, I would say 99% of the time we're on Twitch. A couple of occasions where there's some issues we're, we're not able to be on Twitch, but most of the time is where we're at. Um, and you, if you want to help out the show and not have it cost you anything, there's an opportunity for that too. It helps us out. Um, you can, you can get a, a subscription to us. Uh, if you have Amazon prime, it's four ninety nine, but Amazon prime lets you subscribe to one Twitch viewer a month, uh, and it resets every month, but it, it sends the four ninety nine our way. Uh, and it's free to you. There's no charger. You get one gift subscription a month with Amazon, with Amazon Prime. That's a way to help the show. Uh, another way to do it, too, would be to go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash puckguysforevermighty. You get our Patreon there where we're able to get some shows uh, extra every single month. So those are two really nice ways to help us out, and we really appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, if you have Amazon Prime, and uh, if you want to have a free way to help us out, that's the best way to do it here on Twitch. Thank you guys for tuning in. I just wanted to toss that in there. I don't think we ever really talk about that, because I think just this season we got to the point with our Twitch channel where we're able to accept those, right? Sorry? I think I think it's just we haven't brought that up, because this is the first time or around, this is like we've had Twitch for almost a year, and we finally hit that threshold yeah. where we're able to get gift subscriptions where people are able to freely give us money through Amazon Prime, which is nice. Well, I know Brett has been since we've got it set up. He's always been on it. And I believe we have another one. I think we have two. I think, I think um, Dave, too. Yeah. So if you can't, no, totally Dave understandable. Isn't. If you do, it's awesome. <laughs> well, they're both also Patreon users. Careful, Eddie. Yeah. So fair <laughs> enough. Um, got us both ways. Where do you want to go, man? Do you want to go to questions? I know we have uh, we have quite a bit on um, on Instagram we could get to. Let's just see if I think there's a couple things we had to clean house for. Oh, obviously, Silverberg named oh, to the yeah, All Star game. Things there. Yeah, yeah, just these quick, quick couple things. Silverberg named to the All Star game. Obviously, uh, clear choice. Anybody else you would have picked for that, or it was Silverberg your guy? Mm, I think uh, he's the obvious, the obvious choice because he's scoring, and that's what they wanted the All Star game for sure. Um, the only other guy that I would say give a shot to would be, uh, I mean, Ryan Getzloff. I know that that's been floating around as well. I would have leaned for Cam because the only defenseman for the Pacific Division going right now, I think, is Drew Doughty. Wow. This one oh. one defenseman going. Quinn Hughes is up for Why is the, Quinn uh, Hughes not going? Is it just because Marcus Pedersen? Not Marcus Pedersen. Good Lord. Elias Pedersen's going? 
Yeah, that and because the NHL is dumb and you have to send one player from each team. Right, Quinn Hughes should go over Jakob Silverberg. Can we just end the All-Star game and not have it anymore? We talked to this on the Patreon show the other yeah. day. But I could Fowler would have been my probably my second pick, and then Ricard Raquel, and then maybe Ryan Getzloff after that. Um, last men in, also the dumbest thing ever because it's not <laughs> it's a popularity, popularity contest. Because I know now, not that Quinn Hughes doesn't deserve it, because he'll probably win it because it's a popularity contest. He's a rookie, and it's Vancouver fans, so there's they're gonna vote him in. Um, but I think Max Pacioretty should win that, but he probably won't. But Vegas fans could get behind him. But he has 41 points in 43 games. He should be on the, the all-star roster anyway. Yeah. Like Silverberg has 27 points, 26 or 25 when he was nominated and, and named the all-star game. Patrick almost has double. That That's when you start looking at this and saying this format is dumb. And, of course, I would la- I'm would i happy for Silverberg and I want to see him at the all-star game and I want to see Ducks players at the all-star game. But if a player doesn't deserve to go, and we're talking about all-star being the best players – Pacioretty should be there. Quinn Hughes should be there. So some of the guys that were named to it probably shouldn't be there. Every team definitely shouldn't have uh, a representative. I don't, who's going for San Jose? Because I don't even think anybody should go from San Jose. Oh, it's Couture. Couture yeah. has 30 points. You know, Pacioretty should be in there over Couture, too. So Pacioretty's having a hell of a year for Vegas. Yep, and I, I think it was Flurry or Mark Stone got in for them. I, I Actually, I don't even think Mark Stone got in. I don't even know. I, I'm not even paying attention to it. But anyway, um, Corey Perry, former Duck, obviously suspended for five games for that hit that we talked about on our Patreon show at the Winter Classic. Ejected out of the game after, I think, two minutes or a minute and a half. I, I don't understand this league. I, I It's the dumbest How many league. did you say? How many games did you say he was going to get on the Patreon show? Three I said to five. two or three. Three to five. You were, you were right on. I said yeah, two to three. Yeah, but dumb. It's the dumbest league. This is the stupidest league. I, I, what are they doing with this this crap? Like You see hits all the time. Uh, to the head, uh, and they get punished less. I, I don't understand. I'm not defending Corey Perry. Just the inconsistency is just yeah. is so dumb. The fact me. that that gets five and a blatant like intent to injury will get like two or three depending on the player. It yeah, it, it's it, unbelievable it, it, to me, man. I don't I don't get it. I got so like uh, the second that came down, uh, Jimmy hit me up and he was like, "You have to wait till April to boo him." <laughs> <laughs> I told him I'm going to go to that game and I'm going to boo Corey Perry when he touches the puck, just uh, just to piss people off in the arena. That'd be great. You might get yeah, you might get punched. That's um, uh, Will Junior still going on, but both Ducks prospects oh, are out. Oh, we Travis always know we're talking about this is so you can rub in Canada being up over Finland. Shut up. I think they're up like four nothing right now. Oh, so, yeah. but Trevor Zegras and the U.S. lost one nothing to Finland in the quarterfinal match. Zegras. Was my best player of the tournament. I uh, won't go down as that because he only played five games and some, some player is going to surpass him. But nine primary assists in technically four games because they went scoreless in that fifth game against Finland. Unbelievable tournament from him. And they were all, like, beautiful. And a few of them were ridiculous. Like, this first one, he pulled the puck between his legs and put it off over to Arthur Kaliev. Another one was, like, a no-look bullet pass across the ice. One was a mm. spinorama pass to Jack Drury. Like this is this is the performance. If you're a Ducks fan, you couldn't ask for anything more. Maybe a goal because he only had nine. He had nine assists and zero goals. But City loves you really, assists too. Yeah, you really couldn't ask for much more from Trevor Zegras if you want to build some hype and be excited about something this year, because he was clearly the U.S.'s best player, and they have some excellent 
players on that roster. Cole Caulfield was non-existent at this tournament, and there's big hype over him being you know an elite goal scorer. Not to say he's not going to be, but he didn't perform at the tournament. The, the, the LA Kings pick, four picks in front of uh, Trevor Zegras, Alex Turcott played more of a two-way role in the tournament, but don't want to say he was non-existent, but didn't notice him as much. Trevor Zegras was getting national attention from everywhere. And uh, that's nothing but good news for the Ducks to, to see him play. When we talked to Steve Corniano said before the draft last year, and he said there was potential that Trevor Zegras could be the third best player from this draft when all said and done after Capocacco and, and, and maybe and the Jack best Hughes. playmaker in this draft. Yeah. And and we, we saw that uh, on display. And, and he could go back next year, too. Like, he did this as an 18-year-old. He could go back next year as a 19-year-old if the but, Ducks allow him or, or whatever and, and just completely tear it up. This doesn't mean anything in the in the grand scheme of things, right? No. It's amazing. He's doing great. I'm not trying to, to throw shade These tournaments are useless. Juniors. They are. And when it's, it comes it's, to it's developing prospects. Exactly. Which I it's, hate. I love this tournament and I hate it at the same time. Because... The top two picks for this year, Alexi Lafreniere and Quentin Byfield, are both there for Canada. Lafreniere is killing it. Quentin Byfield, who's a full seven or eight months younger, has like no points, and people are already jumping him down to like fourth or fifth in the draft because of like this. If you judge players on this tournament as for the draft or whatever for potential, then it's ridiculous. Five game mini tournament and you're going to say this guy's good or this guy's bad it's great to see trevor Zegers do well like you said but you can't base everything off one. you can't tournament. say that's going to turn into you know, a, you know an ahl superstar into a, a top tier you know upper echelon performer in the nhl like the, each step you talk to any player that's played in these and then played in the ahl uh and then is also played in either college in the nhl it's like each step is just significantly larger the mistakes yeah. from each level are are like have much more of an impact um, and the game's much tighter as he gets better, obviously. So it's, it's awesome to watch. I think it's amazing. I think he looked great. It's awesome that uh, the ducks can be excited about him and us ducks fans can be excited about it. We need it. Um, the real question is we'll see how it translates. It looks good right yeah. now, which is awesome. Do you think we see him by the way at the end of the season? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I don't think Boston university is good enough to go that far that, they'll be playing by the time the Ducks season is over. I think he'll get a few games with the Ducks this year. I don't think he goes back to BU next year. I think he gets a shot to to make the team at the beginning of next year. I, th- I think he has been that good where the Ducks just can't ignore it. He's over a point per game in the NCAA, which only four freshmen are. I, again, lit it up at the World Juniors. He's just keeps showing that he's too good to not be up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, not uh, The only thing I'm worried about is can that translate, right? Can you do that when you have less room and less pressure and you're playing against bigger guys and, and everything's tighter in the NHL? Can he do those things? Because not many guys can do those things in the NHL. Only the elite players in this game can do those things in the NHL. Spinorama passes and you know, no-look passes and, and between-the-legs moves. And you know, for BU this year, he's attempted at least 10 between-the-legs passes and shots this year. <laughs> like, he's he's a very creative player. But will that translate? And can he do the little things? I, I think he can, but that's the only, I think, worrying thing at this point because he is a, a, an elite-level player when it comes to hockey IQ and creativity. But that is a, a hard thing to project from this level and from the NCAA level 
to the NHL level. Well, people much smarter than us with hockey would say that he has a really good chance of hitting that. Um, for, for sure. sure. Let's uh, let's talk about. Um, we forgot Lucas Dostal. I have to just a, mention him. Because okay, I didn't want to talk tournament. about the World Juniors anymore because I know the last thing you're going to say is like, oh, one more thing, Canada's up. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to mention that. But I did. I do. We do have to talk about Lucas Dostal because he was the other Ducks prospect. Um, yeah, not a good tournament. He was ba- no, battling an illness, uh, missed a couple games. The Czechs lost their top three players. He finished with like an 878 save percentage and above four goals against average. But they were playing in a, in a group of death with Russia, Canada, the U.S., and then obviously Germany as well. And I forget who they played in the uh, – I think they played Sweden in the quarterfinals. So four of their five matches against the four best teams in this tournament. It, it's going to be tough to replicate what he did last year. So, again, another reason why you don't judge everything based off one tournament. I mean, Lucas yeah. Dostal has been dominant in Finland this year in, in Liga. He's going to go back there and probably play extremely well. And and you look at you know three games or four games for him at this tournament, you, you can't judge him based off that. No, you can't. We said the same thing about Trevor Zegers. He's having an amazing moment. You can't judge how good he's yeah. going to be anywhere else based off a junior tournament. All right, what do what do we got left here? Um, we had we already kind of talked about John Gibson's comments after that Vegas loss, right? Pretty much. I think I think we're I think we're off to questions, Ed. Okay, let's. Uh, you got any questions pulled up here? Well, let's see if anyone's got any in chat. If not, I'm able to pull some up here on Instagram. We didn't have any on Twitter. I got I got the ones up on Instagram. So, first one from HRV seven four six nine. I think should we start making trades in hopes of getting better? No, not in the short term. These should, these should be depends long-term. what you mean by better. Right? Long term deals, right? These should be long term yeah. deals. If you mean better, if better is getting picks and prospects to be good later, yes. Yep. If better is making trade trading younger players to bring in older guys or or you know rentals, then no. Uh, I I think you you get if you're the Ducks right now, you get better by by getting worse. Like that's the only way you get you get better. <laughs> Sounds dumb, but you get, get better a top by getting three picks this, this season, boys. Uh, yeah. We, we got to start looking at that. There's no playoffs in this team's future this year. Yeah, no, no hockey trades unless you're bringing in, like we said, a Nikolai Ehlers, a young player. Please picks and prospects for the Ducks this year for some of their top players, especially Jakob Silverberg. I think that that has to happen. That uh, would make my season if the Ducks went out and got went out and got Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, it, it would make, make my, my it would it would make me a lot happier. Now, obviously, I would love that. Depends on what they give up for him. If the Ducks went out and all they did at the deadline was trade Jakob Silverberg, got a first-round pick and a decent prospect, I would be happy. Mm. I would be happy because that is the most you'll ever get for Jakob Silverberg, and I'd be extremely happy with that. Um, obviously, if they went out and got Ehlers, it all depends on what they give up for him or whoever yeah. they're getting, right? So that that's the big thing for me. Uh, next question from the same guy along the same lines. Do you see this team getting better in the second half of the season? I unfortunately do not have high hopes uh, for the rest of the season. I, th- I think that the changes that they're going to be making are bringing in prospects and picks. I, I, I don't. I, I would love, like we just said, to see Nikolai Ehlers. I, I don't see that type of player coming in. I'd be very pleasantly surprised. But I think that um, we're not going to be adding value to this team to get better and try to scrape for the playoffs. I don't think that's happening this season. Uh, no, I don't. I don't want to write it off because i think if the goaltending all of a sudden just magically got back to the level it was last year then they they would be better right the They'd smart be thing winning to do games. is to tank man 
it is, really is. It is. Trust me, I, I would love to have a top five pick in this draft. This draft is ridiculous this year. The Ducks could get an exact type of player they need with some of the goal-scoring wingers that are at the top of this draft. So, But I, I, the only way I can see it getting better is if the Ducks goaltending all of a sudden, like if John Gibson just jumps back up to the godlike levels he was at last year, then obviously it's going to be better. But you, you, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think the, in front of him the Ducks aren't going to start magically scoring more goals. The power play is just not going to get fixed. or it, It's been sort of fixed, right? It's been a little bit better, but it's not going to all of a sudden jump into a top half of the league. The, the defense in front of him with the way it's structured right now is, is not going to get much better. There's, there's really no one the Ducks could add that's already in system here to, to really turn things around. So I, I don't think it's going to get better, but that's not a bad thing. Like we, we got to remember this. We've been spoiled as Ducks fans over the last decade. Yep. When you look at how successful this team's been in the playoffs and in the regular season. Now it's obviously disappointment as well because they're one of those four teams that were super successful that, that didn't win a cup up there with Tampa, Nashville, and San Jose. But we've been spoiled with good hockey. And right now, being bad is good for the long term because the Ducks will get some valuable pieces to add to what they already have with Trevor Zegris and some of the young prospects they have here and John Gibson to hopefully be a competitive team in three or four seasons. So Vinny Mangina in chat says, if the right moves are made, <laughs> got you to say how it. many years <laughs> until we see the Ducks back competitive in the playoffs? And is Getzloff on the team when the time comes? If not, uh, yeah. who's the next captain? Um, Let's answer the right, first question. So, How many years till we're competitive in the? Okay, so competitive and in the playoffs to me means you're not bouncing the first round. You're, I think you're competitive, going yeah, not deep. bouncing the first round. You're you're going past the first round, and you're you're like a top four, top five team in the conference type so thing. That's what for I'm me. Assuming. It's it's you could do it a number of ways. Um, you could do it the long term yep. way by trying to keep your veteran players because you feel like you owe it to them and they don't want to move. You don't want to uproot guys. You have this locker room thing that uh, you know all the old school guys talk about, which is real. There really is a locker room um, sort of vibe that has to be carried on uh, around a team for sure. But um, I think it's time to sell, sell, sell. I think the Ducks could really be competitive here within two years if they play it right. Um, if they do the long term haul, which I don't think this team is set up to do because. Um, this is a small market team that needs to be competitive to make money. Uh, yep. I think I think that going on the four to five year plan is way too long. It's not what happens in the NHL anymore. You can't. I, you just you can't. you're you got Lindholm and Gibson, and you can't do four or five years. You, you have just can't to be two. because your this window team, then is super small. This team it has, has to be, to be competitive in two to three. Yep. I think they could do it. Now, Like a lot of ifs, ands, and buts have to happen. The Ducks have to get a top five pick this year. Likely, I mean, if you don't get Lafreniere or Byfield, you have to get like a Cole Perfetti or an Alex Holtz who are pure, pure snipers to go with Trevor Zegras. That is huge for the Ducks. If they can go out and get a player like Alex Holtz, who is one of the best shooters to come out of the draft since like Patrick Laine, and pair him with an elite passer and playmaker like Trevor Zegras, that's a huge step forward for the Ducks. That's two pieces off the board that any team needs is an elite goal scorer and an elite playmaker. Then you've got, hopefully, if you can keep Ricard Raquel, Obviously, Jones, Steele, Terry, Comtois, Benoit Olivier Grew, when he he should be up in in you know, obviously he's in AHL next year. Braden Tracy, those guys will come up and and hopefully play a role. Like right? it's all ifs, ands, and buts with with prospects, yep. and then you would hope Jackson Lacombe and Henry Thrun can at least be scraping the surface on the on the NHL, and the Ducks can go out somewhere, whether trade, draft, uh, free agency, get a right shot defenseman, and and play him as well, and then have John Gibson still. 
that can all be done in in two i think is is a stretch because you've got a lot of these guys who have to come up from junior and and play and hope some guys can step into the nhl and play right away i think three is that sweet spot if the ducks can be competitive in three years they're in a very good spot to have a bigger window but i can i could if things don't pan out if guys just don't work out this could be four or five it very well could be if if Braden Tracy doesn't turn out if if Steel if none of Steel come to Ontario Jones turn Ugh. out to be second line God, players terrible it, it would be, be a problem situation it'll be a problem have. yeah it same with really Lindstrom you throw that in there if if none of those guys turn out to be second line players you've got a problem it, no definitely you've got a big problem same with Andre Kasha you know because you could you could go like let's assume they get Holtz. Raquel, Zegras, and Holtz, if they turn out to be what they think they are, that's a, a very good first line. If Zegras is a 70-80 point player, if Holtz is a 30 goal scorer, if Ricard Raquel is still Ricard Raquel, that is a, a very good first line. But then you've got to hope that the guys you already have and the other guys coming up and Gru and Tracy can be second line players. And if they're not, you've got a long way to go trying to get those guys, whether it's free agency or trade or moving out some of the assets you have. Uh I hope three. I had to answer the question. I hope three, but I could see four or five. Yeah. Uh, do you think Getzloff's here at that time? I, I think he ends his career with the Ducks. But do you I think just, he's going to be here for another three seasons? At, at some point, you're going to have to decide between Henrik and Getzloff. If uh, Trevor Zegers I mean, is here Getzloff next year at a center. He's got a bunch of kids. Um, he's 34. I don't see – I think maybe he's going to do the, the team one year at a time and see how it goes after this deal. Yeah, like the Joe Thornton type thing with, with yeah. the Sharks. I, one year I think at a so. time to see what happens. And so I, 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 I don't think know they man. bring him back, and I think he stays. I mean, oh, he's going to sure. be the franchise's best player, uh, and I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I just think if you're the Ducks, you have to make a decision at some point because you're going to have all these young guys in the lineup, and, and hopefully they start improving. And if your one-two down the middle is going to be Zegris and Steele if everything works out, you've got to make a decision then between Adam Henrique and Ryan Getzloff for that third-line center spot. On who you're going to have, and I would rather it be Ryan Getzlaff personally, player wise and leadership wise, and and just because he's Ryan Getzlaff and what he means to this team, and it would be nice to see him get another couple shots here with the Ducks uh, as a competitive team. But you, you can't cap wise and everything else, you can't run with with Henrik and Getzlaff uh, both here at the same time. If Steele and Zegers take over those one two center spots, you you just can't have it. All right, real quick, because we got to get to the question on Instagram. But Brett says, do you think Getzloff sticks with the team after he retires? Um, I don't know. I think he would take a break. and then, Yeah, he doesn't and, strike and me as a – he doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to or is willing to be a coach or be anything after the game. He's got too many uh, he, young kids. He's, he's a Timo type he's, guy he's to me. Where he's, yeah. yeah, he's got a family and he's going to just enjoy – retirement like that's yeah. what I, I feel like Ryan gets is going to be I just he doesn't you know, Scotty Niedemeyer when he, he when he was in the league you felt like he was going to be a guy that would coach or do something somewhere mm-hmm. Ryan gets just doesn't strike me as that guy not to say he wouldn't be a good coach he just he doesn't seem like a guy who wants to do that now I no, obviously I could so be either. wrong but I, I just don't I don't see it um we answered this question but I'll read it just because I'm, I'm thankful for for him sending a question on on Instagram Zom David B said, are the Ducks going to turn it around anytime soon? We just uh, went over that a bit. Uh, Travi Bear said, who should the Ducks be selling at the deadline? We said Silverberg, Manson, uh, at least 100% Silverberg, in my opinion, they should be looking to sell with Manson, uh, Raquel, Kasha, 
uh, you know, all those guys could be in the mix for that. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Chip sent us like five questions if you want to go through those. Yeah, she's got some funny ones in there. So, um, well, let's see. Did you already get to Zombie David B? Yep. And okay. Travi and Bear, then we yeah. got Travi Bear. Got his. Okay. So now we're on. I know you said I'm just making sure you got all of them. Yeah, the rest are chips. And then there's one from uh, from Vika. So we'll go with um, with Chip. She says, "Does seeing Perry make a play like that out of a Ducks uniform affect you differently than in a Ducks uniform?" I don't um, think it was an intentional dirty play. I think he was dumb for coming in across the middle like that, and you you wonder his I intentions try with his history. Biased. Yeah, like you know, you can always say you're not biased, but you probably are. You know what I mean? Like yes. I love to say I'm not biased. But I probably am towards Corey Perry because he is my favorite player, and mm-hmm. and he has been for a long time. So it, it is hard to be biased. I, I feel like if a, somebody else did that to a Ducks player, maybe I would be looking at this a bit differently. But I I would like to think I wouldn't. Like I this situation, no matter who it is, it, you can kind of clearly see what Corey Perry is trying to do there. Like if you take off the name and you just give me two players, and the incident of this play happens, I'd like to think I would say the same thing. That yeah. player A, in this case, Corey Perry, was reaching to try and deflect the puck with his stick. And the follow through and the crouch down from Ryan Ellis just resulted in, in a shoulder to the head. And it's unfortunate, but it happened. And uh, I, I would like to think no matter if Corey Perry was involved or not, I would say the th- same thing. But you never know. You never know. There's a lot of bias in here for sure. I, I just I agree with that. I, I feel like he deserved the suspension for sure. Uh, do I think the league's inconsistent? Yes. Very much yeah. so. Uh, Chip also asks, "Can I borrow three thousand dollars for the game used Perry jersey?" Oh, so Please, <laughs> it's going for that. Eh? Pretty please. <laughs> um, sorry, Chip, I don't. I don't have the uh, the free flow of cash to donate to you no. for that. Cause. I just, I just uh, did not win the seventy k Lotto Max that's in Canada right now. So if I did, I would definitely buy you that jersey. But I don't. I don't have seventy million. Right kind now, of so. funny. All the takes about Corey Perry's long walk of shame. Uh, Dan Carcillo, uh, very much the advocate for anti-head injury, um, taking hitting. I, basically, I, I feel like he's on the path of taking hitting and definitely fighting out of out of youth hockey. Um, he he made the comment like, "I want the league to throw the book at Perry, but I might let it slide because of that walk of shame was just awful to watch." <laughs> like, <laughs> that was tough. It, That's something... punishment enough right there. <laughs> yeah, it's something Man, along that the lines walk of was that. so long. My favorite videos from that were people like dubbing songs on oh, that, like dude. Green Day's Boulevard of Broken Dreams. And, and uh, the, the my favorite was the World Junior Penalty song. I don't know if you've heard that this year, but it's uh, – I got to find it and I'll play it for you because the the, the, in, the, the World Juniors are in the Czech Republic. The was good too. Yeah, the, the World Juniors are in the Czech Republic right now. And uh, the penalty song they use is hilarious. Here it is. <laughs> that's great that's, that's great. the penalty song they've been using this year for the world juniors and it's it's just great and they dubbed it to uh cory perry walking <laughs> with this walk of shame long ass walk <laughs> this video ends those... me still walking <laughs> they should have honestly made those pathways ice they really should have yeah. made those ice. And they weren't even that long for the stadium series. They were long for the stadium series game, but they weren't that long. Like, uh, they weren't that long. Chip also, our last question says, would you rather fight 50 
chip-sized chips or one 50-foot chip? It's a very interesting question. If you guys don't know how tall Chip is, uh, the word tall doesn't really get associated with her name. She's very short. I think I would go... I think with the 50 chip size chips. I would go with 50 because chip size chips. Any, 50 yeah. foot anything, you would die. I could find a 50 foot baby and I would lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's 50 feet tall. Just step on me. I'm dead. <laughs> but at least I have a chance with like 50, like four foot, whatever nine, people running four at foot me. Ten four people. foot nine. Yeah. Four foot ten. <laughs> Poor chip. Five, five foot two. We'll give her a little bit of a, an edge here. So if the, I, I I'd probably die, but I have a chance. Yeah, I have a have, chance at least. At least. Have a I could knock chance. off a few. You have a, pump, you right? have a puncher's chance. Yes, you do. You get that. You knock off a few, and then you you go down fighting at least. Yeah, because eventually you're going to be over. <laughs> you're going to be overtaken, right? Unless you have some sort of depends weapon if to make I'm it fighting. Easier. Depends if I'm fighting fifty at once, or it's like one after. Like I Ooh, fight you one, would still be tired. Another, you'd be yeah, tired. but like I feel like you get better, better chance that way, right? Like if I'm fighting fifty at once. I'll maybe get two and then I'm done. But if I'm fighting one like gladiator style, like one after another after another, and I just have to take them down, there's a you there's a chance you could get through that. You get tired, but you might. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, Shane says you'd lose to a regular sized baby. <laughs> Probably. Probably. He's not wrong. Uh, last question that we're gonna wrap. Uh, Vika. B97 said, should the Ducks utilize a three-goalie system? Does any team utilize a three-goalie system right don't, now? Unless you have to with injury. Yeah. No. You know what's interesting development this year in the league is the most teams, at least not, mo- not most teams, but a lot of teams are going with like a split this year, splitting their goalies. I, like all of a sudden. Like it's Boston, game management. It's all that yeah. uh, nutritional and health stuff, game management. I, 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 but it's just out of nowhere. Like it was always we're gonna ride this guy sixty to seventy games Ooh, and then we'll have the backup just for whatever. Fast. And like the first team I feel like that was doing it a lot was was Boston for the last two years have been kind of splitting Tuka Rask with with uh Yaroslav Halak and uh-huh. I guess teams have seen how well that's worked. But you've got the Islanders with uh Varlamov and Grice splitting like every game. Uh you've got some teams obviously can't, but uh who's another team here? Uh St. Louis is now doing that with Bennington and Allen. Uh, Arizona doing that with Kemper and Ranta before Kemper got hurt. Dallas was another one doing that with Bishop and Kudobin, where they were splitting every game. Like a lot of teams are doing that now that they can. Obviously, teams like uh, Winnipeg can't because their backup isn't that good. So you might as well just play Hellebuck the way he's playing. And Toronto's the same way where. It's just Freddie Anderson, so you kind of have to play him almost every game you, you can because the backup isn't reliable. But it seems like a lot of teams are kind of trending in that direction. It feels like backup goaltenders are becoming a lot more valuable, like good backup goaltenders, where you have a guy like Halak's a borderline starter, I think, for a lot of teams. Yeah, the way sure. The way he's consistently played the last few years as, as a, a almost a guy who still starts 30 to 40 games. Toronto could and, really use an uh, a almost starter backup goaltender. <laughs> We have uh, an almost startup backer goal, backup goaltender who could be on the market, and Ryan Miller. Yeah, not with his perform. I mean, dude, the way their numbers are this year, I mean, maybe not. No. But uh, there, someone would still take a chance on Ryan Miller for sure. But I mean, look, look, look at uh, Yaroslav Halak's numbers this year: nine three and five, nine thirty save percentage, and a two point two zero goals against average. He's got better numbers than um, than Tuka Rask, and he's played seventeen games. Tuka Rask has played twenty five. Like that's not a pure split, but it's close. 
And I think the you know the two teams who've been utilizing a lot are Boston and um, Dallas. Kudobin's played 17 games and Bishop's played 28. Like that's a pretty decent split when you think of backups. Like that's more than just playing back to backs. Like this, these guys are getting their own starts as well. Well, the best goalie in the league is almost back and playing. Uh, Darcy Kemper was week to week, but now he went through a well, he went through a practice and uh, took shots on him. So see how he goes, man. But maybe. Most underrated top goaltender league will be back. So first, uh, underrated duo in the league because Antiranta's good on his own right. He was and injured when he came to to Phoenix, so or to yeah. Arizona rather. So Rattled off a few good starts here yeah. in, in uh, Darcy Kemper's absence. So you've got some uh, some pretty good goaltending duos. The Ducks had one of the best last year, probably the best last year. Yeah. In, uh, in Gibson and Miller, so they were right up there, but they they weren't even utilizing. I mean, imagine if the Ducks did that last year. Maybe John Gibson doesn't get fatigued if they were rolling a similar system to what Boston and uh, Dallas were doing. Yeah. Like, I, I would be very interested to see how many games John Gibson had started at the 41-game mark last year compared to some of these other guys, or at least Ryan Miller, right? Like, I can tell you I, I, with almost 100% confidence that Ryan Miller got nowhere near 17 starts 41 games into the season last year. John Let's Gibson was playing right almost now. on a nightly basis. Checking this and then that we got could a wrap. Let's see. I'd be surprised if it was more than 10 starts in the first 41 for Ryan Miller last year, depending on how many back-to-backs the, the Ducks had. So we're going to go all the way back to October. By the way, it's 5 nothing Canada right now. Shut up. <laughs> October to January 5th, 2018-2019. John Gibson played 35 games. Ryan Miller with 10. Chad Johnson with 2. So, and is that after 41 games played? Or? No, it's it's just total times in net. Uh, I'm on natural stat trick, so maybe I didn't... Uh, is this at the January so. 4 mark of last year? Yes, January fifth okay. of twenty nineteen. Either um, way, I mean, we're at it more than at last year's pace, more than forty one games into the season, and Ryan Miller only had ten of those starts. Yeah. Yep. So again, imagine how February and March could have gone for the Ducks if Ryan Miller had have shaved off seven of those John Gibson starts. Yep. And gave him a little bit more energy to to keep going. We, the, that article is kind of infamous now that uh, when Eric Stevens mentioned that John Gibson was so fatigued last year that he'd lost weight. Yeah. Like at that point, how are you not realizing that maybe you know Ryan Miller's playing great? How, why do we not give John Gibson a rest here or there? It's not like John Gibson was the only one playing well. You know, I mean, I could understand if if Miller was struggling, the Ducks had a backup goaltender who just couldn't do anything. But Miller's numbers were almost as good as John Gibson's. Mm-hmm. And they just said, ah, we're not going to play this guy. That's Randy Carlisle style. Plus, these guys guys. want to play too, man. They're competitive. Um, No, for sure. And John Gibson definitely wants to play. But at some point as a coach, you got to step in and say, hey, or as management, you got to say, hey, man, like you're so tired you're losing weight. Like we need to give you some rest, get the other guy in here. You're not going to lose your starting job. You know, the the performance, uh, you know, athletic manager, uh, Beatle, came in for these reasons. John Gibson has started the last four games for the Ducks. Yeah, well, they they (laughs) want to see why they're they're just testing his durability at this point, right? Um, Yes. When's when's the next show, my friend? I I got a jet here in a second. 
But uh, Wednesday, I think, because the Ducks okay. play Tuesday and Thursday, I believe. Sunday, Tuesday, so. Thursday. So Wednesday will be the next Forever Mighty show. Um, Patreon shows. They're going to be more. Uh, we yes. got one probably uh, next weekend. We're going to be well, doing. we had pucks and brews. Everybody that caught that live two days ago. Yeah, uh, it will be uploaded today. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm still working out some some kinks with that. I just got to upload it, and uh, that will be up. And then we'll have another pucks and brews for January because the lot. The, yeah, last Pucks and Brews was technically for December. We just didn't have any time to get it in in December. And then uh, we also have a rant a slash show. other bonus episode show. Yep. The rant show sometimes becomes another show. Like on the last show for the rant show, it was an all-decade team by me and Jason. So sometimes it's the rant show if we can find rant topics. Sometimes it just becomes a completely different show nonetheless. But uh, we will have two Patreon bonus episodes uh, plus a new uh, For Everybody podcast uh, on Wednesday. So Yeah. So stay on, stay in tune for those. Uh, follow us on social media. Twitter's the best spot to find us for any updates where we're going to post things. Um, <laughs> Shane says we'll be waiting for the rescheduled tweet. <laughs> oh, please, Shane. No, Shane. it's a new year, a new us. Yeah, man. We're back. We're trying to be like we were last year. We actually uh, – We will be. I'm with, with this stuff, so. No, we got this. Uh, thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, thanks, Cool Hockey, for the sponsor. Go to coolhockey.com to buy your Ducks jersey or your NHL jersey that you want or need, or you want to send us a gift, use the code FM20 to receive 20% off your order. Um, and you can use that every time. I don't think it's it's not set to an account, is it? Right? You can keep buying jerseys at that discount rate. Right? Yeah, you can keep using that. At that yeah, rate. so use that. Great place to go. They're legit. Um, they've been supporting us for day one for this, and we can't thank them enough. So, all right, guys. See you guys on Wednesday. Have a great weekend. See you guys.